Hello and welcome to another episode of Here's the Point with Caden Kelly, where I read a different nonfiction book every week and I talk about it here on a podcast to help improve my wealth, my health, my wisdom, and my peace. Uh, this podcast is supplementary to my main podcast called Book Club with Caden Kelly. This is a little, this is a condensed version. I do the summary in 15 minutes or less. That one I do in about 60 to 90 minutes. Uh, so if you like the conversation here, you can get more content uh, from the longer podcast, Book Club with Caden Kelly. You can find links. You can search it in Apple Podcasts and Spotify to find, or you can find it my find links in my blog, cadenkellysblog.wordpress.com, where I also write a blog and have links to my social media where I used to be, I was posting a lot more on the uh, uh, for like TikToks and stuff, but mostly doing the podcast and the blog now. So check that out. Today we will be discussing how to think like a Roman emperor, the Stoic philosophy of Marcus Aurelius, written by Donald Robertson, who is a has a lush Scottish voice. He's from Ayrshire. Arshire, A-Y-R-S-H-I-R-E, Scotland. Here's this picture for those of you watching the, blo- uh, watching the video. There's our boy. Uh, Donald Robertson is a cognitive behavioral psychotherapist, trainer, and writer. He was born in Scotland, and after having lived in England and working in London for many years, he emigrated to Canada, where he now lives. Robertson has been researching Stoicism and applying it in his work for 20 years. He is one of the founding members of the nonprofit organization Modern Stoicism. So uh, he's awesome. I love this break. I love this book because like the like his bio says, he implements theories and principles of psychotherapy into Stoicism. He uses them jointly. So. We get example in this book. We get examples of what sto- how Stoics came up with what they teach, what they believe in, and then, or, or you know, just their way of life, and how cognitive behavioral therapy today is uh, the same. You know, is like there's scientific terms for these things today. So they're into it's all integrated. It's awesome. So this book is more of a it's it has like. His, it goes by has historical references to Marcus Aurelius. If you don't know who he is, he is a Roman. You, could, you should Google him and read his book. But he was a Roman emperor in the first century, sometime in the first century, and he uh, he was he's considered a Stoic. And the reason why I think he's so acclaimed is because he, as emperor, had everything recorded. His whole life was basically recorded. Plus, he wrote in a journal that later became published and is known today as Meditations, the Meditations of Marcus Aurelius. So we get to look at history, how uh, how events unfolded, and how he handled them, and get to see how, you know, as a Stoic, the consequences of his deci- some of the consequences of his decisions, but also his thought process through his uh, through the his book Meditations. So awesome book. If you're new to this podcast, I take notes from the book, and write, uh, and then that's what I base everything off of. I take, I write down what is most impressionable to me, 
and discuss them here. And like I said, I, I don't get to go into as much depth on this podcast as I do in book club. So if you like anything that I say here, I highly recommend you go read the book. But if you uh, want to get more conversation, you can join my other podcast. So um, as a psychotherapist, he uses he uses psychological terms to explain some of the stoic philosophy. Uh, and at the end of the introduction, I'm going to read a section out of this, out of the end, end of the introduction. It, it explains the purpose of the book, but also how both of these terms go together, both of these uh, schools of thought, philosophy and psychotherapy. Qu- oh, so, okay, so quoting our boy Robert, or excuse me, our boy Donald. I believe that for many people, a combination of stoic philosophy and cognitive behavioral therapy may be even more suited for use as a long-term preventative approach. When we take it on as a philosophy of life with daily practice, we have the opportunity to learn greater emotional resilience, strength of character, and moral integrity. That's what this book is really about. The Stoics can teach you how to find a sense of purpose in life, how to face adversity, how to conquer anger within yourself, moderate your desires, experience healthy sources of joy, endure pain and illness patiently and with dignity, exhibit courage in the face of your anxieties, cope with loss, and perhaps even confront your own mortality while remaining as unperturbed as Socrates. <sighs> Beautiful. It doesn't, uh, how is that not exciting to everybody, right? So this book's broken down into eight chapters, and each chapter is uh, uh, basically a section of that list in the, in the last in the last sentence purpose in life how to face adversity conquer anger moderate your desires experience healthy sources of joy and your pain and illness exhibit courage uh cope with loss and confront your own mortality that's that's basically the whole book so i'll go through some of my favorite points from each chapter uh really quickly we're already uh like six and a half minutes in so let's do this okay uh chapter one goes through the origin of philosophy it was uh, it stems off of the cynic philosophy where um, as he describes cynic philosophy is that virtue is the true goal in life and that our character is the only thing that ultimately matters and that wisdom consists in learning to view everything else in life as utterly worthless by comparison. Stoics branch off from that line of philosophy and and teach that while wisdom is the ultimate pursuit, there is nothing inherently wrong. In fact, life is um, – it's noble to pursue health rather than live in sickness. Uh, we prefer strength to weakness. We prefer wisdom to naivete so uh, or, or uh, knowledge rather but um, and wealth to poverty. We pref- those things are not bad to pursue. What, uh, what he, we explain around here – he, he goes through the four cardinal virtues of Stoicism, which are wisdom, justice, courage, and moderation. And uh, under the branch of wisdom, he describes wisdom as understanding the difference between good, bad, and indifferent things. And that knowledge is to know when, when which should take precedence, which decision should take precedence. So, uh, yeah, it's not bad to pursue wealth, but... Uh, Pursuing wealth for vain, with vain intention, is not noble 
as noble as pursuing wealth to uh, help the poor or sustain your family, right? So that's chapter one. Chapter two uh, describes, let's go, let's see. What matters, quote from the book, what matters is not how we feel, but how we respond to our feelings. Uh, who said, I think Socrates said, it's not things that upset us, it's how we think about things. Um, when we place value judgments on the things that happened in our life, value judgments meaning this was good, this was a good thing that happened, or this was a bad thing that happened, and our li- and we determine, you know, the, uh, or we just, dis- we attach meaning to things that we have no control over, we experience anxiety because we can't control, uh, like over the weekend, my refrigerator broke. I can't control that. But if I am attached to having a refrigerator, I will, I will feel upset, and I do feel upset, that my fridge broke. But being detached from that assignment, uh, that value judgment, whenever, whenever anything breaks, I shouldn't be perturbed. I shouldn't be disturbed by it. And at a deeper sense, uh, if we are disconnected from every, you know, anything that we have no control over, like loved ones dying or loved ones leaving us or losing our job or breaking a, or losing a limb or something crazy, something way, way more serious than breaking your fridge. If we uh, remove, if we disconnect from the attachment, then we can experience those things and still feel peace. We can't control uh, whether or not our loved ones get in a car accident or whether we lose our arm due to some crazy accident, right? But we can still experience peace through the tragedy. Uh, That's chapter two. Chapter three, uh, understanding your values and living by them allows you to live a more fulfilled life. Yes. Then you can place your values in a hierarchy so that when you're confronted with two high values, if you know which one is more important than the other, then you can pursue the one that's more important and make decisions that lead to a more meaningful life. Doesn't, Doesn't mean that, you know, if you're Two good choices are two is a good situation to be in, but knowing which one is more important allows for better decision making. Uh, chapter four. Let's see. People continually confuse pleasure with happiness. Seeking pleasure isn't inherently immoral. This is uh, the same line of logic that I followed earlier, saying it's not bad to pursue strength. In fact, Stoics prefer strength to weakness. But uh, when it comes to are you are you spending copious amounts of time in the gym or meal prepping or doing hot yoga and neglecting other important things, neglecting your family, neglecting your own physical health when your body needs to rest? Are you exercising when you're injured? Uh, knowing when to do what is wisdom and wisdom, again, is a cardinal virtue to the Stoics. So but pursue. And, and then when it comes to things like uh, like sex or uh or like having fun with your friends, pursue those things are pleasurable. Or doing you know like doing drugs, those things feel good. Um, pursuing pleasure isn't immoral, but when it comes to things like well, something like sex, having a co- having a committed partner and having sex with a partner will bring more peace than having you know scandalous sex uh, with random people whenever and not committing to a person and not being. Uh, responsible or reli- uh, but pursuing so but having sex isn't immoral the pleasure that comes from from decisions that we make isn't immoral it's knowing when to do what which is wisdom right 
Uh, let's keep going. Chapter five. The Stoics say it is not pain that upsets us. It's our judgments of them. This was one of the one chapter where I really I implemented or I was able to discern uh, modern day psychotherape- psychotherapeutical terms and applied it to Stoicism. So two terms that he uses here is psychological resilience and cognitive distancing. Psychological resilience. Uh, he uh, is. It's basically doing hard things and becoming stronger because of those hard things. He uses cold showers and hot yoga as ways to train ourselves to bear uncomfortable and hard circumstances and sensations. We do hard things. We, we you know, we uh, we exercise. We discipline ourselves by going to bed early. We discipline ourselves by not overeating. We meditate. Uh, we discipline ourselves by not engaging in scandalous, copious amounts of sex with strangers. We discipline ourselves, and it's not inherently easy, and it's not always pleasurable to discipline ourselves or to restrain ourselves. But the the reward, the consequence, is psychological resilience. That's the modern day scientific term for, for you know for for being wise, I guess. Uh, so that's that's psychological resilience, and cognitive distancing is. Um, Viewing your pain objectively, separating yourself from your pain. This is this is how Stoics deal with pain, and it's called cognitive distancing. The sensation is still uncomfortable, but the suffering is alleviated. So whether the, the pain you experience be physical, like you break a limb, or it's emotional, like your heart is broken, or whether it's emotional, well, I don't know, whatever, you know, those using those two examples really... You can obs- you should be able to observe the situation objectively, detached from the uh, from the experience, because you have no control if your partner decides to leave. You have no control if you know if a dog attacks you and rips your arm off or something fucking wild. You have no control. That's the point. So you shouldn't be attached to the thing or to the person because you have no control if you know whether the person stays or leaves. Um, you can love you should love the person the people that you have the things that you have you should you should cherish them and be grateful but you should not connect your identity to them right that's how that's how you experience peace when the thing comes and goes you're not you don't need that thing to experience peace you are at peace without the thing you have but you have the thing so you cherish it while you have it uh chapter 6 he talks about the inner citadel which is uh, described as true peace. True inner peace comes from the nature of our thoughts rather than pleasant, natural surroundings. True inner peace comes from the nature of our thoughts, how we handle situations rather than having nice toys and ha- a big house and fancy cars and extravagant vacations and whatever. True peace comes from the nature of our thoughts. Uh, chapter 7, he uh, shares Apollo's 10 maxims on how to deal with anger. I'm not going to go through that now because I'm short on time, but uh, it has a lot to do with you know, what, I, what we've already described, how we observe situations. If something makes you upset or something makes you angry, how you view the situation ultimately determines how you react. So being able to pause when something happens that makes you angry, contemplate the experience, contemplate your emotions, then make a good decision based off of those experiences, those thoughts that you have, not on the Im- immediate reaction from an event. Contemplate, pause. Well, first pause, then contemplate, and then respond responsibly. 
Uh, and then chapter eight is a beautiful allegory where he writes about his death as if he's Marcus. Uh, he writes about Marcus's death as if it's him laying on his deathbed with the idea that um, life is frail and Stoics view all, all life must come to an end. Death is natural. It should not be feared. In fact, it should be embraced because, uh, as he says, I quote him saying, the fear of death is more harm, does more harm to us than death itself. Fear of death turns us into cowards. And if you remember, the opposite of cowardice is a cardinal virtue, which is courage. A, a embracing the reality of death, uh, uh, contemplating it, spending, they call it memento mori, where you contemplate your own death. You can contemplate the death of the loved ones, contemplate the ending, the death of things that you care about, like a house or fancy things. The death or the ending of things, contemplating those things brings peace for you down the road, psychological resilience. And then it allows you to die peacefully, it is, uh, to embrace a natural event peacefully. This is How to Think Like a Roman Emperor by Donald Robertson, the Stoic philosophy of Marcus Aurelius. Go listen to the longer podcast if you like this conversation. You can find links on my blog, Caden Kelly's blog, .wordpress .com. We will see you next time.